hello everybody and welcome to the fourth episode of the uh, Kent Non-League podcast. So I'm glad to say I'm back in Kent. There are no seagulls around me today. Uh, no likelihood of screaming children unless the lot outside down the road start kicking off. But I have shut all the doors and everything. Um, first of all, how are you, Matt? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, it's been a, a good week, I suppose, with the FA Cup and such like that. And I'm glad to see you all back from Wales in one piece. And I did enjoy the Seagulls, I have to say. I don't think they were so happy, though, because their boys Wrexham had, had another defeat down in Kent. But we'll, we'll come on to that one later on. I think we'll start with the FA Cup. Um, there's some really good results for our Kent sides over the weekend. We had Tunbridge Wells, Cray Valley PM, Ramsgate, Herne Bay, Ashford. And we've got more on them to come later on. And Thamesmead all went through quite easily. Thamesmead won 8-0 at East Preston. That's a, a cracking result. And hats off also to Irith Town, who did really well to get a draw at Whiteleaf. And they've got a replay, which is going to be played on Wednesday night. Um, but for me, the standout result was 7-8-3-2 win at Cray Wanderers. Um, and Matt, I don't know if, if that one went under your radar a little bit. It was playing the Sunday, wasn't it? So, yeah, Cray Wanderers, I think, as you mentioned before, they were one of these sides that they're waiting for is their ground. So, um, that we're disappointed result there. Seven Oaks had a good run last year, so, and that's a, a fantastic result for them now. And uh, they got Crowbury, didn't they, in the next round, which is, which is a sort of a so-called local derby there on, on the 3G so that should be an interesting one but yeah well, good result at a higher league side for Seven Oaks would be delighted with that well they were because uh, I've spoken to Mickey Collins the Seven Oaks manager and obviously they had that good run last year they beat Horsham and Lewis both from higher league last year and then lost to Chesham United in the end um, they came really close on that didn't they they, they did they took, them, took them to a replay so it was, uh, yeah. it, it was it was a really good run for them and they're already reaping the benefits of last year's cup run with the bigger intendances and, and a much better profile and uh, obviously, as you said, they've got Crowbrook next. I spoke to Mickey Collins, um, and he was understandably delighted about the win. And he's hopeful that they can mount another one this time around. Yeah, we played well. We started the game really well. We got them in front foot, and we had a bit of a game plan, and uh, we executed it well. I thought first half, and managed to go in two 0 And don't get me wrong, you know they had chances, but um, yeah, I thought we started well. And in second half, we committed the ultimate and let a goal in early, and then we were up against it. But we got one on the break and made it three one, and then. Um, it was Alamo then for probably 15, 20 minutes while we hung on. They got one to make it 3 2, and then we just clung on at the death, and I don't know how we did it, but um, then we managed to get it over the line, so a great result for the club. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? And and getting a result like that and getting the money in that that, that victory brings is, is huge for a club like Seven Oaks, isn't it? Yeah, it all helps. And it's not just about the money, it's the profile as well, because we had a great FA Cup run last year and yeah, it generated revenue, but it just it gets your name out there and people start realising, even our own. Like club members that we're quite successful and it helps and you get more people through the gate and so it's a big knock-on effect it's still a massive competition the FA Cup and we treat it that way I suppose were you frustrated to get another team from your league in the next round? No, not really um, I mean probably you know Clover don't have a massive fan base because they're away from their ground at the moment unfortunately so um, but it's on, it's on artificial grass which will suit us because that's our home pitches as well but um, you know Clover will think the same as us it's a winnable game so you know, you haven't drawn a team in the Ryman Premier where you might not, you know, have much of an opportunity to go and beat them. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll take it one game at a time and uh, if we can get through it, it'd be fantastic. I suppose, you know, like you say, it does raise the profile. What, what does an FA Cup run mean to a club like Seven Oaks? It, well, last time, it, it, we were on B2 Sport, that was massive. And then, you know, we get a crowd of 500 at home for one of the games and come really close to, to causing a major upset. And, yeah, it is revenue. It's massive, you know. We, I think last year we came out of it total with over 12 grand. and That's that's an enormous amount for us. But it is just the, the, the kids buying into it. You know, we've got a great youth section there. And when they see the first team successful, they, you know, aspire to be in it. And 
it just gives it the feel factor. We all know Seven Oaks isn't a predominantly football town, so when the football team's successful like we were last season with, with you know, winning a cup and so on, it helps. It, it really does help. And it's proved that this year with the amount of people that come and watch us now. The gates are up over 100. We never dreamed of that when I first took over four years ago. I suppose the other thing as well is because the FA Cup happens so early in the season, if you do well in it, you can build on it for the rest of the league campaign as well. Yeah, I mean, we're fortunate this year because I don't I don't know why, but we, we seem to come into the FA Vars very late, um, which when you're trying to combine three, so you combine the FA Cup, the Vars and the league, something has to give. And unfortunately, it can always be the league and then you've got a problem. This year, the Vars, as I say, we're, we're that much later. We can concentrate both on the FA Cup and league fully, which is... Is a bonus that you know that's an advantage for me, and um, we can worry about the bars when, when it comes along at the end of September. I suppose you're in one of those situations where you're one of the you know top four or five in in the Southern Counties League, and I, I personally don't think there's much of a gap between that and the Ryman South, and, and your result on Sunday kind of shows that, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I mean the only thing you notice is that their strength in depth with the quality of players they've got is greater than ours, whether that's financially driven or because some players only want to play at that level and don't want to drop to ours. But we've proven it last year when. Every time we played a Ryman club, we won. Um, so you can pick yourselves. And every most things that have gone up from our league have, have normally succeeded and done quite well in the league above. So, no, there isn't a massive difference. Sometimes it's a little bit of a nicer league. Sometimes it's you know slightly better football played at times. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's the hardest thing to get an out of ours. It's only one up every year, which I think may be different this year. But um, it's difficult. You know, I've won it before, but it's a difficult league to get out of. And it was just finally that the um, the result on Sunday was the end of a pretty good personal week for you with, with your boy doing well as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a massive plus for the family and for him and um, something he's been striving to get. And, you know, he had, he had quite a few clubs on his tail and um, he chose Scunthorpe as his decision and um, they've given him a really good offer. He's got a two-year scholarship there with a third-year option. Um, and he lives up there now. He's in digs. He's probably got, we call him his foster family and uh, they're lovely. So they look after him and he comes back at weekends after his games if he's lucky and... Um, he got his head down and went and watched him Saturday. I was fortunate and my day was Sunday, so I managed to watch him play 90 minutes. And he's only just 16, just literally a couple of weeks ago, so he's the youngest in the squad by a mile. And uh, he's managing to hold his own and keep the number nine shirt, which is really pleasing. And I just think way from home and up north is probably the, the best thing for him. No distraction, and just concentrate on his football and his education. So Mickey Collins, there, understandably thrilled as uh, as Seven Oaks get through, and, and he made some really good points there, Matt. I thought. I love it when managers say it was the Alamo, wouldn't it, in the hanging on to a game. You don't use the word Alamo anywhere apart from a football pitch now. But uh, yeah, and again, I think it was nice that he said it's, it's not all about the money, it's the profile as well. So um, yeah, it's, it, 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 he was delighted. You can sound, sound of his, the sound of his voice, how, how delighted he was. And I'm sure he was punching the air at the final whistle there. And, and it's interesting, the question you said about the um, big game or, or winnable game. They've probably got both there, really. I think the big game against Crowborough, which are, and and it's winnable. And then you're in the second round, and in the second round, the the, the Conference South side boys come in. So uh, once again, yeah, maybe a chance for giant uh, killing. Yeah, I mean, what he said there, you know, the points about there not being much of a gap between the Ryman South and the Scaffold. We've we've talked about this before, but when we talked about Ashford coming up, but. It, it is such a hard division to get out of, but the momentum they could build from a good cup run, and the same for Crowborough, who obviously they're going to be playing, one of those two is going to get through, they'll have that momentum, they'll keep going, and it could be massive for a club, can't it? Yeah, and I think he said about that before, and, you know, the, the, the Vars is 
going back a little bit deeper into the competition there later on, they can concentrate on the FA Cup because normally at this time of season, some of these sides will be playing VARS FA Cup League and you get full behind, you lose one and you lose the momentum. So I think that's absolutely spot on what he says from that point of view. Again, Crowborough, they've got, got a good chance of that. And again, a lot of the players you find has come from the, 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 the Devon Bostick League going into the, the scaffold as well. They, they've played at that level before, they know that standard. And they can and they can do a job at that level. So it'd be interesting to see how they go for there. But I don't think there's much um, difference between the two. And when you look about it, maybe the non-league scene is going to be rounded out a little bit more with extra leagues coming in. You may find that the standard comes a little bit even closer, even more. I think that is the thing as well because there are so many strong teams, especially here in Kent. And you look at other teams from other areas who get promoted into the Devon Bostick League and, and they struggle. I mean, the prime example is Godalming. You got moved across. They'd been quite comfortable in the in the Southern League for a few years. They got moved into the uh, Ryman last year and they got spanked on a weekly basis and finished bottom. They, they were conceding goals left, right and centre. So it does just show what a strong league the Ryman South is and what a tough ask it is for our teams to be competing in that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a league that you score goals in. It it, it, it it doesn't take any prisoners that division, I don't think. So, and you think we've done so well over the years before when it really was all the Kent sides getting promoted or in the playoffs. So, and again, getting into the the Devon Bostick Premier League. Again, you've got some big clubs in that you can achieve it. But I think this season, I think we've got a chance at higher end of the table, and hopefully that the Scaffold teams can come up and, and do a job from there. Only one being promoted from the Scaffold is a bit of a disappointment, I have to say. Hopefully that, that might be different this year though, because I do think with the, with the restructure there may be a few more space at that level, so we'll have to wait and see, because you know it'll all come down to grounds and how many seats you've got, have you got a turnstile, what's your car park like, are your footballs round enough, you know, all that nonsense. So we shall see what happens come the end of the season. That's uh, always going back to that, that is the problem of non-league football, it never seems to happen anywhere else that you could be booed out because you haven't got 50 seats and it happened last season in the, in the playoffs and the, in both the national League South and National League North it was a bit of a farce really and non-league all always have that reputation as being a bit use the word tin pot and those sort of things so that needs to be sorted out in the game definitely and elsewhere in the cup at the weekend Sheppard United battled quite well they were 0-0 at half time before they went uh, down 2-0 to Hastings and Hollands and Blair bowed out they lost 4-1 to Crowborough Um, there's a few interesting ties in the next round as well we've got Margate Folkestone and Tunbridge Angels have all entered the competition. Margate at home to East Grinstead, who beat BCD Athletic at the weekend. And Folkestone at home to Greenwich Borough. Ramsgate have got Egham, they're at the same level, so that's a chance. Tunbridge Wells are away to Haywards Heath. And Ashford are also off to Sussex, they're playing Horsham. And Cray Valley, who've sat their manager last week, they're away to Leatherhead. So that's a massive tie for them. Yeah, Sammy Moore, you know, known to Kent Circles, uh, started quite well at Leatherhead. Folks, and I think folks are going to be a bit disappointed with that. That's quite a tough one against Greenwich. You know, they've got a bit of money behind them. Gary Alexander, the manager, a bit of a tough one there. Margate will know all, of, all about East Grinstead because they've played them in a pre-season friendly. They've got them in the FA Cup and they've also got them in the um, the uh, League Cup as well. So they'll know each other pretty well from there. But I think Margate will be pretty pleased with that. I think Ramsgate could be as well. And Faversham against Tunbridge, that is a, a real good Kent derby. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Faversham against Tunbridge is going to be the tie of the round from a Kent point of view as far as I'm concerned. I, th- I think that's a really good opportunity for Ray Turner's side to, to push on and push through. And, and you know, I don't think Tunbridge Angels will particularly fancy coming down to Sorters Lane. No, I, I think um, Faversham, you know, a bit inconsistent in the first few games of the season. But I think with the experienced players they've got there, um, the, the ground has been improved a little bit. So maybe not as 
bad as it was that would be a nasty to, to, to the away team. But I think Faversham will fancy there against Tunbridge. It's not a draw that Tunbridge probably wanted away at a side that definitely score goals uh, in the level they play at. So I went to Faversham's replay against Croydon on Tuesday night uh, on a night where Hive, Sittingbourne and Deal all went out of the cup, Deal to Glebe. Faversham had a bit of a scare. They took the lead through Sam Lawford in the first half. A nice little header. He was then denied a second by the goalkeeper. Um, but a great goal from uh, Croydon made it 1-1 before the break. And in the end, it took an own goal from the Croydon goalkeeper, Alex Hewitt, to uh, to take Faversham through. Deflected Sam uh, Buick's cross into his own net. Late on, Buick also cleared one off the line. Um, you'll hear what Ray Turner thought about that in a minute. Um, I spoke to Ray after the game. Um, hilariously, there was a fire alarm going off in the background. And if you know what Ray Turner does for a living, you'll find that actually really rather amusing. Anyway, here's Ray Turner after Faversham beat Croydon 2-1 in the FA Cup to set up a tie against Tunbridge Angels in the next round. Well, Cups are about winning, aren't they, and getting through. I thought it was a good game and I thought um, I was impressed with them. I thought they, they, they played well tonight and I think the pitch suited both sides in terms of a much quicker game than it was in the first first leg. It was very difficult to get going in that first game. But both teams did better. I mean, we, we struggled at times. I think we should have controlled it a little bit once we went 1-0 up. Um, I played quite an open open game tonight because obviously I felt we needed to attack them so we played with wingers and um, it got us in front but it also caused us problems defensively so tactical change at half time and we um, we switched to a three at the back and then um, I thought we had good, fairly good control second half and the goal was fortunate granted um, and then you've got the usual where they're chucking bodies forward at the end and it turns into a cup tie which everyone loves I suppose but Going back to the original part of it, it's about just getting through it and getting in the next round. And I suppose Sam Buick's crossed for the wit- for the goal and, and he saved you with the header off the line at the last minute as well. Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean I mean sort of I, I, I always question a little bit about sort of heading things off the line because that's that's what they're there to do and that that's that's what their job is and that's what we put um put the organisation up on the board before game. So you know, as much as you know, people look at it like that. I think it's about us in terms of that's that's his job. And um, but the other team always look at it the other way and think that's been unlucky. But I tend to look at it and I would do as a positive because that's what he's meant to be doing. Tunbridge Angels next up is probably as yeah. good as high as you could have hoped for, isn't it? In terms of a, a prestigious type team coming here, they're not too far away, and you know it'd be a good test for you. In in terms of, I, I think it's a. Uh, a bad draw in one way in terms of getting a, a really tough opposition. I mean, they're, they're, for me, Steve's got a side there that's obviously challenging in the next league up. But go, I, I agree with you. I think in terms of early stages, the FA Cup and uh, you know a Kent side and a big side, you know, in terms of that, and they've got a decent level of support. Yeah, that'd be a great day for us um, here. Um, you know, it won't obviously won't be easy. We go into that underdogs a little bit like they were tonight, but. I think it's always difficult for the side coming here with the expectations. So um, you know, we give it a real go that Saturday. I know. I suppose you'll have you know you'll have your your fans here, 180 odd here tonight, and it'll be a, yeah. a good a tough place for them to come back. They probably won't fancy coming here. Well, I mean, I'm sure they they'll be very well prepared. But I mean, in case I'm sure we can get 400 people in the ground on that Saturday, and you know they will bring a few, and it, it just it, it creates that atmosphere. Our players know they're up against better players. They naturally raise their game. If they don't, we get beat. If they do, we've got we've got a chance. I suppose with the FA Cup, it's, a, it's always a, it's always a great competition, and I guess you just want to go as far as you can. Don't you? Yeah, historically here, I mean, I've obviously been here a few seasons now, and um, 
these early rounds in particular stick out. We generally get through them, but I've had penalties, I've had extra time, I've had last-minute goals, I've had everything, and um, these are really tough to get through. I think the results tonight, I've only heard a couple of results, but already there's a couple of surprises in there, but it's um, these these teams. It's a great it's a great opportunity for them to come to a club like us and show what they can do and and, and cause an upset. So we had nothing really to gain out of tonight, other than the prize money, which is which is vitally important. And we've done it in the end. And I suppose that winning tonight also gives you a bit of confidence for your league game Saturday and then Monday again. Yes, yeah, terribly busy as you know. It doesn't stop. I mean, uh, still a forty six game league season. We've still got the bank holiday. Players aren't up to full fitness yet. I'm trying to rotate the squad as best I can. You know, I'd have loved a week off this week, but we didn't do the job on Saturday, so we've had to do it tonight. So we paid the price for that, but probably give them a night off Thursday, to be honest, and um, and we go into a very busy weekend and try and pick up as, as many points as we can. So away from all the FA Cup action, and, and we mentioned them earlier, Ashford beat Redhill 3-1, but it was all changed at Ashford last week. Uh, manager Danny Lye moving on after two years at the helm on Thursday last week. Um, just two games into the new season. They'd lost them both. Um, they hadn't scored. They had three players sent off. It was. It was all. It, it seemed a little bit doom, doom and gloom to us. But I must admit, when, when I heard the news on Thursday that he'd left the club, I was very surprised. Um, but I've spoken to Danny, and I said to him that at the time it, it seemed that it had come a bit out of the blue his departure. But he actually told me that it didn't come out of the blue as far as he was concerned. No, no, he's um, sort of been brewing for sort of a month or so. To be honest, before pre-season. And I suppose what's disappointing for you is that people from the outside might look at it and say, oh, well, they lost 5-0 and, and then he's gone, but it's not about that, is it? No, exactly, yeah. I've, uh, I've lost 5-0 before in my life. It's uh, one of those where it was the right time to go because of sort of certain things, decisions from the board and what, why I wanted to go for different, different opinions. And so I decided that I didn't really need to grieve. Yeah, but I suppose ultimately you can look back at two great years in charge of Ashford, can't you? Yeah, I mean, we've done well. We had one full year. Um, some of our board of directors weren't allowed at the ground while we were in charge, so we, uh, we've we done well, won a double. We can't really, can't really do much more. And I suppose that first season as well, when you had the points deduction, you still battled up to get up there. And, and you know, you, you really did take the team from a low ebb and, and get it in the right direction, didn't you? Yeah, 100%. When I first took over, if you look at the players that we had, what we we had at the end of last season, it was a big, big gulf and the way the club's set up now. Little, little things like having a kit man and lots of little things, the way clubs work, just doing things the right way. And we had a good Vars run in the first season. We, was, we would have been right on Greenwich's tail if we didn't have the 10 points deduction because of the uh, money side of things from the club. So, yeah, we've we done well. We hold our heads high and we go away and... Uh, we're, we're happy with what we've done. And do you think Ashford can compete in that, uh, at that level, even with the the, the, the changes and everything? Uh, um, I think it, it depends who takes over as manager. I mean, there's a few names I'm chatted about. If someone like Tommy Warrello took over, then, then push on. Then he's got great experience. But if they decide that they're going to run it and they want to use the under-21s, majority of the under-21s and a few sort of more experienced boys, they're going to find it hard, definitely. It's a tough league. And what's next for you now? Uh, I'm just going to take a break, see the family, concentrate work, and uh, we'll go from there. But I've had a few offers already, to be honest, but I've, uh, not, I'm not going to rush into anything. I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? People do forget, you know, people can get in the bubble of football, but you're still a bloke, you're, you're still working, you've got your family, so it's nice to maybe have that little bit of a break, isn't it? Yeah, exactly right, and a lot of people forget that these boys, and they sort of 
the expenses that they get paid as a player, by the time they take their mileage and everything out, they're doing it for free, and there's a big sacrifice for non-leaders, because obviously they're working, they see the families, they have late nights, not for the football, and a lot of people think it's, it's a job for them, but it's actually a hobby, so it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's hard for them, and, and especially managing as well, it's tough organising and, and having enough time to do everything, 100%. So what do you make of that then, Matt? It, it, very much his decision, I think, but um, it's going to be an interesting time for Ashford. Yeah, it's interesting some of the points he said there. Uh, he didn't want to, you know, when he go out on, on the way he wanted to do it, again, if he thought it was on his way, this thing, I'm surprised Ashford didn't sort of do it in the in the pre-season because the pre-season has been lost, basically. They've lost a, a few players as well, you know, Sean Welford, one in particular. So they're going to have to start afresh. I would be concerned if Ashford finally getting out of the scaffold going into the Ryman the, the Devon Bostick League I should say that they're going to going down the under 21s route we've seen it from certain sides who've got that that is a struggle this is a you know a, a tough man's league they may struggle from that point of view Danny Lyle was a competitive player on the pitch and I'm sure he took that on as a management and maybe if, if, if he's not working out he can move on he's got a good reputation I think maybe if they'd had a few ball bad results his reputation could have gone and he could have been forgotten about in the game a bit more. So, but and one of the other things he makes, he mentioned as well, non-league is it is a big sacrifice that these people do. He's probably you know he works for a living, training two times a week, trying to get players in, and sometimes you do need a break from it all. From that point of view, um, I think he'll come back. Um, I think he did a decent job. Maybe not a, a, an Ashford size, but he's got good contacts and knows that level. So I'm sure he'll be on certain clubs' radar when he's. Um, got his uh, mojo back, so to speak. Absolutely, and of course, from a journalist's point of view, he answered the phone when I called him, which is always a positive. <laughs> well, yeah, that's from that point of view. Yeah, he's always a willing talker, Danny, and he's a good talker as well. So I think he should be delighted with the job he's done at Ashford, getting them out of that, that league, as we mentioned before, the excellent run they had in the Vars. So yeah, I think he's um, he's got a good CV that I'm sure, but by the end of this season, we'll see him back somewhere. Danny Lye mentioned him there, Tommy Warrell. That that would be a big draw for Ashford, but you know, is he going to be tempted to go there? Because he, he seems to be doing all right where he is. Yeah, Tommy Warrell, he's a, when he did a brilliant job at Tunbridge Angels, and he went off the radar a little bit from that point of view, but he's a good manager at um, this level, knows his players. Thames Mead, you know, the good result that we mentioned earlier in the FA Cup, but Ashford, he's played there before, a bit of a legend down at that point of view, and South East Kent, would he want to come back to Ashford rather than Thames Mead? Um, Location-wise, probably not good for him. But is it Ashford? You know, Ashford's an up-and-coming place. I know the grounds in the middle of nowhere, which is a bit of an issue. But if they did well, they might be able to get the gates in. They could be a, a decent Ryman, Devon, Bostick Premier League side. So, from that point of view, it's a good challenge if the money's there. They've had the pitch done. It's improved a little bit, I think, from what it, when it was laid last year. So, uh, it's, there's plenty of managers who'll be out. Who'll be interested in the Ashford job, I think. But I suppose that all depends on, on what Ashford's ambitions are. If, if one of the rumours I've heard is that the Ashford board were very keen to get the younger players involved, play a lot more of the under-21s, Danny Lye touched on it there. If that's the path they want to go down, then th- th- they may as well stick with what they've got rather than bring in someone who want to bring in their own players. Because we see it in non-league football, especially at this level, you're bringing a manager and they've got loads of players that will come with them. You know, you- you've seen players follow Jim and Danny Ward all around Kent play because they want to play for those managers. If you get a character like that in, then the chances are that they will bring those players and the under-21s will be marginalised. So Ashford have got some big decisions to make. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good point because, of course, Ashford under 21s they probably invest into the you know, the academy, the young players, and the thing. I see the the manager who's come in is the under 21 manager, and Lee Shearer, who's known to Kent circles, is helping him out. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. Where do they want to go? If Ashford are quite happy to stay in the Devon Bostick for a while, bring those players' experience, maybe for the long run, that may be the better bet. But if it's managers like Thames me, uh, Tommy Warlow's out there, who is a winner. And they want to go through the leagues. They've got a decision to make. But again, one of these things comes down to finances at the end of the day. And does the fact that there's only you know possibly one relegation place up for grabs, that does maybe take the pressure off a little bit on this decision. If Ashford decide that they're quite happy to finish third from bottom this year, not get relegated, and then build next year and have players who've had a year's experience, then they'll be in a good place next this time next year. Yeah, and you will learn very quickly in the Devon, Devon South League uh, from this point of view that it's going to be a tough old league. You'll be playing up against some old old ex-pros and people who've known the non-league circle, so you'll have to grow up. But if that works in their favour, you know that experience could really work them in, in the future to come. I think I, I did definitely see it at, at Ramsgate. They went. They tried to go down the path of bringing all the young players in. This is. I mean, we're talking three years ago now. The first season I sort of covered them. They brought in a lot of young players and tried to do it that way. They had an inexperienced manager in Dean Hill. And it, it didn't really work for them. And, and by January, they were, they were struggling. They had to make a change. Brought in Simon Halsey. And then they sort of ripped up the blueprint a little bit, a little bit and went back to the wards. So it is a tough one. But it'll be interesting to see what happens at Ashford. Yeah, again, I think we were all shocked when we saw that he'd left. But again, as he said in that interview, you know, the stuff behind the scenes from that point of thing. That's what you never know about football clubs. Anything could be going on behind the scenes. But yeah, I, I think... The point you make in that is the one relegation place that does give some sides a little bit of leeway that, right, we can work on this season and get the experience at that point of view. As long as you don't get sucked into that last bottom place, which I think there's probably been worse sides than Ashford in this division, um, you, you should be OK. But it should be an interesting season gain the FA Cup run. The FA Cup probably becomes even more important for them with the, with the extra finances. Indeed. So we look on at the top of the non-league pyramid and in the National League, it's, it's all about Bromley again, I'm afraid, Matt. They, they took the headlines again with a 2-0 with a win over Hartlepool United. Um, I was listening to a bit on, on Radio Kent where you were providing your updates from, from Crabble and they had the Big Hill Air Show on behind them. So uh, they had lots of plane noises. So it's not just us that get affected by things that are happening outside. <laughs> That's good news. Anyway, Bromley though, 2-0 win over Hartlepool. They've beaten Leighton Orient. Can they keep this going? Probably, I know last season they didn't start particularly well, but the first season in the National League they started well. I, can, I can't see why not. Um, they started really well, quick, pacey side. Reese has come in, the former uh, Arsenal and Nottingham Forest player, three goals from midfield. He looked a good player when I saw him. Neil Smith has built a squad up. Quite some a bit of experience and, and sort of young players who've been released from the pro game. I can't see why not. Hartlepool. The teams they played at home have probably been good ones to play against. The 3G pitch, Hartlepool can't buy a win. I think they've had a real um, problem since they've gone into the National League. It's really been a, a shock to the system for them. Late Orient, you never know what you're going to get. They had a good result at the weekend. But I think they've had to play some good games. They played a new look Dover. They got a little bit lucky at Dover, but they deserved a point from that. So I, I, I can't see why not. And it's interesting to see the two sides at the top of the National League, Bromley and Sun, have the 3G surface. So this is the problem we're going to have. If that happens in the end of um, April time, 
they'll have to say we'll have to rip up the pitch if we get promoted and also say if we get in the playoffs we'll have to rip up the pitch so it's an interesting point of view I'd bet some of the purists aren't particularly happy that the top of the table is the three, two 3G three sides Indeed and probably this weekend though it's going to be tough and they're, they're at Dagenham on Saturday and then they've got Sutton on Monday so two big games for Neil Smith and his side Yeah I had to again the fixture in fixture organisation of the National League takes a lot to be desired. When you think of Gates that have got to come to Epsley, Dover have got to go to Macclesfield on a Friday because they can't get back. Why are Dagenham playing Bromley on a Saturday? It just doesn't make any sense at all from that. That should be a midweek game. But and that works in their favour. They've got you know, look at Gates there, they've got to go to Epsley. They're back up home for the game on the Monday with the, the two games in two days. It really works in Bromley's favour. They've got to go to Dagenham, which is two minutes down the road and they're at home to Sutton which could be a, a top of the table clash so that'll be interesting Sutton have turned it around their waveform let them down last year home for, uh, their waveform's been good this year so it could be a top of the table clash on Monday and I'm sure with no sort of um, football league games going on it should be a big gate at Bromley as well so the battle of the three G's there but I can't see any reason why Bromley can't stay in um, the playoff hunt I don't think they're going to win the league but I think they can stay on the playoff hunt absolutely and with the extra play, uh, playoff places as well, it, it does open it up for, for your Bromleys, doesn't it? Yeah, but again, it all comes down with the surface. Unless they're going to let the, the surface in, what are the league going to do? And you could have sides going through that on a 3G surface and get to Wembley and say, right, we're going to rip it up. Sutton's model is very much 3G, really, in the community. And Bromley's model is going down that route. So I know it's a bit early to talk about that in August. We should be talking about that in April. But yeah, Bromley, fantastic start for them. Good, young, quick side. And that, that's what you need in the Nas- National League pace. And Bromley have got it in abundance. Another quirk of the fixture list is that Maidstone's two games over this weekend aren't exactly the same as, as Bromley's. They, they're at Sutton on Saturday and then they're at home to Dagenham on Monday. And First win of the season for them, for Jay Saunders, on uh, Saturday against Wrexham. And, uh, you know, they need to build on that, but it's going to be a tough weekend for them, isn't it? It is. Uh, from that point of view, I think they'll be pleased with their three home games. They're, they're unbeaten, which is a good sign for them on, on their 3G surface as well. Um, pleased for them. I saw Wrexham the previous week against Dover. Flattered to see. Very experienced side, but nothing in that side. And you, you think when Maidstone scored young, Jack Richards, 18 years of age, he's been on the um, periphery a little bit. I think he went out on loan somewhere as well last season. But he, I think he would have played when Maidstone got promoted to the National League which is a bit of a shock to the system. If they stayed down in National South, he'd have played a lot more games. But he's had the extra year of maturity, building up his strength. He's going to come in the side and keeping bigger name players out of the side as well. So I'm pleased for them. They're organised, Maidstone. Tough game against um, Sutton again on Saturday, battling 3G. But I think they've had results there before. So, um, yeah, I think they're right. And Dagenham, you never know what to get from Dagenham. Goals from the Dagenham game. But uh, the John Steele derby there, they'll, they'll be enjoying that. But again... I think they'll be pleased with that. They're outside the relegation zone. And most importantly, they've got the first win on the board, which is all important. And against a Wrexham side, which I thought would do better than they are. So um, uh, that's pleasing for them. Ebbsfleet still unbeaten. Not a lot to say about them, really. They, they got another point at Mainhead. And what about Dover? One all drawn Saturday, wasn't it, against Barrow? Yeah, one all. Um, Dover looks a bit leggy, I think, at times. They'd had to travel in the Halifax the previous um, previous game. Looked a bit leggy. Didn't think they were going to... Score. They'll be disappointed with the goal they conceded. It's very similar to the one against Halifax, where you know a flighted cross comes in, and you've got a big centre forward who heads the ball in the back of the net. I think David needs to work on that, the leadership and organisation at the back. There is some big boys in the in that league as well. But when you, um, but second half they played a little bit better, looked um, 
more solid when the, and organised when uh, Cadell Daniel came on. The cross came in and Ryan Bird, that's his job, had the ball in the back of the net. So, yeah, it was a, point, a fair result from that point of view from, from Dover. And you look at it this way, at the Halifax and Barrow games, you'd have taken four points. It's just that you won away and drew at home and it, you didn't expect the other way around. But ten points from five games, Dover will be happy with that. The new sides, as they go ahead with a big, the big game on Friday and even a bigger game on Monday. That's that's the one, isn't it? Monday, Dover against Ebbsfleet. Obviously, you'll be more familiar with me. There's a little bit of beef, isn't there? There's been a few players have have gone to and fro between the two, so I expect it'll be a good atmosphere down at the Crabble. Yeah, I think they're expecting a, a decent crowd down there. Dale McMahon, of course, was at Dover. Dover played a fee for Dale McMahon when he joined from uh, Eastleigh. Um, when Chris Kinnear came in, and sort of a clashes of styles is probably what the way Dale McMahon liked to put the ball on and play it through midfield. Well, Chris Kinnear will use the strength Dover have got. Some of the players have moved on a little bit. Sam Magri won't be involved because he's on international duty, which I think he'd probably got some stick from, from the Dover fans, but I think he, he, he did well for Dover over his couple of years. Yeah, yeah, it's a big game. Epsweet probably is the first time they've played each other since that playoff final back in 2014 when Dover won 1-0 at Epsweet. So, again, Epsweet could go into that game looking to get 30 league games unbeaten. So, Dover will be looking to um, stop that with some tough games coming up for Dover after that, they need to pick up more points at home when you think they've won one, drawn one and lost one. They're looking to get a result there. But Epsleet will be definitely up for that. Definite clash of styles there and it should be definite blood and thunder on the Bank Holiday Monday. Superb. Uh, looking in the National League South very quickly, Dartford, stunning form for them last weekend. 7-1 against Oxford City and Oxford City are no mugs. Um, so that, that was a really good win and they look like they mean business, don't they? Maybe they find the goal scorer we've mentioned before, uh, Warren Mafula. I think he played um, a lower level last season. Come on, banged a hat trick. Uh, it was against 10 men, but what confidence that will do for them. As we've said before, Dartford always needed a goal scorer. Maybe they've signed him. Got Alfie Pavey in as well from uh, Welling. I quite liked Alfie Pavey. Good target man, holds the ball up well. Surprised Welling let him go, and he was on the score sheet. And when you've got the Hayes, the Harris's, and the Bradbrooks as well, you know you're going to be solid. Unbeaten as well, which is good news for Dartford. Um, and I think uh, I know St Albans have won all their games but Darfur will be pleased with the start they've had um, and, uh, and they'll be looking to go ahead there the fixtures they've got this weekend they've got to go to Hemel Hempstead another side that tipped to do quite well So and, and then on the Monday they've got a home game against uh, let me run through here they've got a home game against East Durham again pick four points out of um, the uh, Bank Holiday weekend will be a good return for Darfur and obviously Oxford City, a bit wounded. They've got Welling on Saturday. And, and Welling, they finally got their, their first win of the season. Their first win under Jamie Coyle, who scored as well. He's, he's been in good goal-scoring form. They beat Hungerford 3-2. Hungerford's manager resigned at half-time when they were 3-1 down. So that, that must have been an interesting one. Yeah, Jamie Coyle, I think he's leading goal scorer. He got four goals this season. So um, from the set-piece, one of you opportunities. I didn't think he wanted to play that much. But the problems I've had at the start of the season, it's been a, a bit of a struggle. But he's doing a job there. Yeah, I saw the Hungerford manager. who's highly rated. I think the, the chairman's resigned as well. So Hungerford, one of these clubs who did really well last season, got on the playoffs, so they wouldn't allow them up because they didn't have enough seats. So maybe the money's run out of that, that point of view. And it'd be interesting to see where the Hungerford manager ends up from that point of view. But a big three points for Welling. What they will try and do is try shipping goals, which has been an issue for them in the opening games. But again, they will go from there. And then they've got Hampton and Richmond on the bank holiday Monday as well. They're tough. Another exciting side, pacey side as well. So, yeah, stop shipping goals. I think Welling will be trying to avoid... But they're on the board, that's the most important thing. Yeah, bank holiday Mondays are brilliant, aren't they? So much football going on. And it's the same in the Bostic League as well. 
Um, last weekend, Margate were 2 0 up against Leeston. All looked well. Looked like they were going to get their first home win on the new 3G pitch, but then Leeston fought back and, and, and got a point. And seeing on social media a lot of frustration from, from Margate, from Steve Watt himself and some of the players. And the league table is absolute nonsense at the moment. I don't know if you've seen the one that's peddling around on Sky. They've spelt Hendon's name wrong, so they're now calling themselves Hedno. And um, Margate have been credited with seven points when they've actually only got five. So that's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Yeah, look, I spoke to somebody who went to the Margate game and he said that, you know, two luck, really good first half. And they sat back second half and got punished. As at least a, a good side at that level. It was a good free kick. They got the first goal and sat back and sat back and sat back and then got punished in the final minute. So, but again, work in progress, Margate. Unbeaten in their first three games. So, that, so they'll be pleased with that again. Uh, Dorking on Bank Holiday Monday. Again, and Wingate and Finchley, I think they've got on a Saturday. So, again, Steve Steve Watts knows that they're all sides that will be um, up there talking. Um, got promoted. I think uh, Wingate did a good season as well. So, again, you've got to put your marker down. I see Billericay have won two on the bounce as well. So, they're already crowning themselves as champions. But uh, unbeaten, it would be, it's a good start for Margate, I think. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the guy from Billericay's goal as well. That's been doing the rounds on social media. But it's, it's not bad, unfortunately. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, to be fair... The perfect flight, you know, about 55 yards in his own half. He absolutely pings at it. It is a good goal. He's a good player, Jack Robinson. He's one of these players that I've seen around, particularly for Lewis. He is a good player, but unfortunately he went to Billericay, so you'll never see that going um, around from that point of view. And of course, in the FA Cup as well, we mentioned earlier, um, one of the, the BBC Online are doing commentary uh, live feed of games on the red button and what's the best in it it'll be Bill Ricky in the first round of course well especially because they've got Didcot who made it into the first round last year I believe but um, heading back to Kent because uh, we are talking about Kent football uh, Summage Angels still unbeaten they had a good win at the weekend Folkestone they're still unbeaten um, they came back from Burgess Hill with a point Folkestone are at home to Needham Market on Saturday Angels are away to the leaders Harrow Borough and then those two clash on Monday Angels against Folkestone which will be uh, that'll be a good game won't it yeah, I see Aidy Yusuf um, scoring goals for Folkestone. He was the one who at Chatham worked for Wagamamas and went into the league with Dagenham. Didn't really work out with him. He's been around the houses, but Folkestone picked him up and he scored some goals. So I quite liked him. He's a bit raw, but um, Neil Cugley up front with um, playing up with Ian Drake, or he, he'll learn a lot from that point of view. Folkestone probably think the middle of the table against the Tunbridge Angels side. That should be a, a good game there. Two wily managers in, in McKim and Cugley. So maybe I'm going to draw for that one. And what's interesting there is we've talked a bit, a little bit about fixture scheduling. Well, I'm going to be off a long run when it comes to talking about these ones because these are the games that are being, the, the reverse of these games are being played on Boxing Day. And I would like to know which person in the uh, Isthmian League offices looked and thought, Dorking, Margate, they're close enough to play on Boxing Day. That's pretty much Margate's furthest trip of the season and they've got to do it on Boxing Day, which is absolute madness. Yeah, I can't, I can't understand some of the fixtures in the... Uh, in the non-league that, that, that did seem strange that when you've got Folkestone 40, 40, half an hour 40 minutes away they're not playing them on uh, Boxing Day and Dorking uh, uh, Dorking might be lovely this time of year but I can't believe it's too nice on Boxing Day No um, obviously it's same in the south they've got two games it's, it's still very early days for them because they've only played twice um, of our teams I'd say Hythe want to win more than most because they haven't got a point much like Ashford Herne Bay and VCD VCD currently propping up the table out of the cup not a great start for them. You've got Sittingbourne leading the way of the Kent sides. They've got two from two. Um, some good games over the weekend. Saturday, Sittingbourne take that 100% record to Lewis. 
You've got Phoenix Sports against Hythe. Ramsgate are hosting Hastings. Ashford against VCD. One of them's going to get a point at least. Um, and Faversham go to Walton Casuals. And then on Monday, a bit more Derby fired there. Faversham, Herne Bay. Hythe against Ramsgate. Greenwich against Phoenix. Uh, Cray Wanderers have drawn the short straw. They've got to go to Shoreham. Uh, Sittingbourne against Ashford. And VCD against Thamesmead. So plenty of football to look forward to in that league. Oh, Bank Holiday Monday, there's plenty of games out there that people can go and see. Um, I think uh, was it the Ramsgate, Ramsgate got Hyde, is it? Yeah, at Hyde, yeah. Yeah, so Hyde, yeah, started pretty slowly. I, I see uh, Mitchell Dickinson got, got the equaliser in the FA Cup, so the former Chills man will, will keep an eye on from that point of view. Sitting born against Ashford again. Uh, Faversham Herne Bay, they're not too far game-wise and that, I presume... Faversham Herne Bay is that the reverse of yeah. Boxing Day? Is it? Yeah, it will be. Yeah, but I think I think Faversham would probably rather play Sittingbourne on Boxing Day, but that's uh, that's by the by. At least it's, it's moderately sensible that anyway. So and then obviously move on just finally to the uh, Southern Counties East League. We talked about that a bit at the start with Seven Oaks. Um, the Cups obliterated the early season schedule. There we've got some teams have still only played one league game. Um, here we are on the twenty fifth of August this weekend. Um, I, I sort of looked down the games on, on Saturday and I thought, yeah, it's going to be hard to pick out a, a, a notable one from there. But um, you've got Beckenham, Canterbury, Cray Valley, Crober and Corinthian have all got six points from six. Whitstable are also 100%, but they've only played one game. And obviously they've picked up Sean Welford after he left Ashford. And the six teams who haven't got a point yet, but four of them have only played once. And looking at the games over the weekend, Monday's where most of the action's happening. You've got Canterbury against Deal, which obviously is a home game for Deal as well. Um, Seven Oaks and Crowborough meeting, and they've obviously going to be known each other well because they've got each other in the cup in a couple of weeks. And the big one over in Royal Tunbridge Wells, where Rustall play Tunbridge Wells. So plenty of action over the weekend. Like you say, loads of games for people to pick from. Yeah, exactly. I suppose I always want to know the Canterbury City v Deal Town, as it's a away game for Deal, does Deal still go in the home dressing room and Canterbury have the home dressing room? Well, how does that work? I'd love to know that. If you're a Canterbury or a Deal fan, I'd love to know how, how, how do you treat it? Do Deal still use their normal dressing room or are they running the other one, which may be a little bit smaller? I'm sure the Canterbury player, who I'm sure will be listening through this, will let us know. So let us know, Pulley, please. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a, a bumper weekend. But I understand you're you're having the weekend off this weekend. No football for you. No, no football for me. I've got a break with the family, so um, I'll be keeping an eye on all the scores as well. So this weekend, I'm going to get Dover playing Friday night against Macclesfield. So um, if you want to transfer a trip to Macclesfield on a Friday, don't go by train because you won't get back. That's why they're playing it on the Friday. So um, from that point of view, yeah. So I'll be keeping them from afar, seeing. Uh, where the results are, but I'm sure there'll be some uh, action we could talk about next week on the pod. Absolutely, and, and if you are considering going to Macclesfield on a Friday, I'd suggest you have a word with a medical professional, because that's not really a, a wise idea, especially with the traffic on a Friday on the M6. I, I'll, I'll, I'll give that, that one a wide berth. On a bank holiday weekend, yeah, they probably, <laughs> probably want to set off now, probably. <laughs> um, I, I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm gonna go. I think I'm going to go somewhere on Monday. Um, I haven't quite made up my mind yet. I think City Mall and Ashford could be quite appealing. Um, obviously, if, especially if Sittingbourne have won at the weekend and if Ashford have lost and I can maybe speak to some people involved with Ashford as well and, and see if we can take it forward but whatever, I'll, I'll manage to go somewhere and, and I'll speak to someone and, and we'll have something good for next week's podcast so um, thanks again for listening everyone hopefully the sound quality has been much better than last week um, appreciate it was difficult I, I also managed to use all of my mobile data allowance trying to upload the podcast last week um, so I'm now having to walk around without Twitter uh, when I'm out and about which is hell on earth 
Um, I have to actually talk to the missus and stuff, which is is, is very confusing. Um, First world problems, isn't it? When you run out of mobile data, that really is. It is. It's so tough. Our, our forefathers would not believe the dilemmas that we have to go through these days. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, thank you very much for listening, Matt. I hope you have a good break. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us to the usual channels, we're on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. Um, I'm at John Phipps 81. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. And the email just to contact us on is John Phipps 81 at Outlook.com. Um, we'll, I will be at a game somewhere. I'm, I, I will have been at Faversham as well. Um, it's, it's, it's great to hear from people. We're really we're getting some good feedback. We're really enjoying doing the podcast, and it's been it's been great fun. And we're going to keep it going. Um, and Matt, any final thoughts from you? No, just everybody really enjoy. I think it's supposed to be a good weekend, so go and enjoy as much football as you can, and I hope your side win. Unless, of course, it's Ebbsfleet on Monday, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, come on, you whites. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Have a good break, and uh, we'll see you all next week.